Welcome back to Awakening Reformation Podcast, where Reformation awakens now. My name is not Grant. I am the weaker vessel, his wife, Erica. And tonight, I am joined with two of my best friends in the world, Sandra Rowlett and Kiana Starks. Can I call you Michelle? Yes, you can. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Funny story. (laughs) Michelle's name is Kiana but it's spelled not like Kiana. So No, it's not. Because she knows I'm white. She's like, listen, white girl, you can just call me by my middle name, which is Michelle. <laughs> so as to not confuse you. <laughs> She's very gracious with us and allows us to be dumb around her. So tonight I want to talk about some issues relating to womanhood and a woman's role. And I thought, what better time than around Mother's Day? And I know exactly who I'm going to call. How you guys doing? Good. 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 Um, currently, we are all over the United States recording this. Sandra is in Kentucky slash Tennessee. And Michelle is in Washington State on the opposite Woo-hoo. side of the United States. So we are all in different time zones recording right now. And it's very late. Yes. <laughs> Well, I don't not know for how her. great this podcast will end up being by the time we're done. People may be like, yeah. Michelle has the advantage. Yeah, I have the advantage because it's only 735 here. Yeah, so. The sun is still out. We expect the most out of you. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you better you know, be on point tonight, Michelle. I will be on point. When we start to rattle and mumble, you better pick up our slack. Okay, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. There's something unique in scripture that we see whenever women are mentioned, or mostly every time women are mentioned, this idea of her building her home or her managing her home or her role within the home is also talked about. And it's because we believe in the complementarity of males and females, meaning that God has created men and women equal in dignity, value, and worth, but that they, in their kingdom expansion mandate, have been given different roles to accommodate or to facilitate the task that God has given to them. So women in particular have been given the realm of the home and a domestic role. They are the home managers. And what do you guys think about that? I was going to say, I think it's, I think it's a good thing because, you know, I, I came home after my husband's managed the home. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think this could be a blessing for, for our husbands that we do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't start off this way. Yeah. When Marquise and I, when we were uh, dating, I was working two jobs. Right before we got married, he asked me to uh, quit the lesser paying job and uh his wife of his was going to be working two jobs he was going to take care of me and that was a hard pill for me to swallow Mm. um like you know i've been taking care of myself i've been paying my own bills you know had that mentality to take care of myself Mm -hmm. even with uh 
our my separate bank account, um, he had to gently remind me to close my separate uh, bank account. And so when he asked me to stay at home and take care of the kids when I was pregnant with our oldest, who was 10, um, it was another difficult thing. But as time has went on, I have learned that God has a special place for me here. Mm-hmm. And he's always wanted me here. And this is not something yeah. that like, you know, we've pulled out of the 1950s, uh, you know, idea of how to set up a successful family. This is scriptural. And we can see right. in Genesis, in the very beginning of creation in Genesis 2.18, it says that God said, it is not good that man should be alone, that he would make a helper fit for him. So there's this idea that when God created females, he created them with the intentionality that they would be a helper that was fit for the man. That a man needs a woman and a woman is the helper to the man. This is not some kind of weird war. Sexist uh, kind of thing. Yeah, like Stepford Wives kind of idea, which is what we often hear from you know, egalitarians who would turn up their nose towards a biblical idea of the complementarian role. Well, I mean, there's also the stereotypes of if you stay at home that you're watching TV all day. So I don't know where that came from, that we're lazy, that we're incompetent. It's it's absolutely horrible. So it drives a lot of women, um, I I know, uh, Mm -hmm. away from the home in order to go out and pursue careers and stuff like that. Yeah, and I oh, think very much so. to that response, to the person who says, well, you're lazy and you don't do anything, either they don't understand that you're not lazy and that you are actually very active, or perhaps there are women who are underachievers in their home. They're not fulfilling their role. They're not actively building the kingdom of Christ by discipling their children and discipling other women and being hospitable um, by being domestic and feminine, if that's the case, then they are, they're still not complementarian in the way that God created them to be. They're still not being the helper fit for their husbands. Very much. So I, right. I mean, I know growing up, there was like two choices. I can either be like this woman who like stays home and just does every single thing her husband says and just, you know, I'm less a of a person basically. Yeah. Yeah. Doormat. Or I can be a, a strong independent woman who like takes care of herself and has her, you know, has her own job and I can still be a, a good wife, but I can be this like strong woman who basically is independent of her husband. Mm-hmm. And, um, it took many years until I realized and I was taught like this biblical image of marriage in the, in the biblical way, the way God intended it. And I, once I got it, I was like, wait, God made me for a reason, you know, outside right. of feminism and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. It, the world is sitting there saying like, you're like one or another. And it's a false dichotomy that you yeah. can either be this or you can be this. Both options are terrible, and Christians should reject both. Yes, exactly. I say, no, wait, I'm going to be the biblical definition of a woman. Right. 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 And then, so if we're saying that a woman's primary role is in her home, that scripture would teach that her primary role is to be the manager of her home. That means she is the one who primarily cares for the children while her husband is away providing for his family. His mission field is 
you know, out in the fields, so to speak. He is the one tilling the ground. And we're going to get into that in a second. But if we're going to say that a woman's domain particularly is her home, then I think we need to define what her job is in the home so that we're not just saying, as long as you're staying home, you're being faithful. Because that may not be right either. You could be lazy sitting on the couch watching soap operas all day, and that's not your role. You know, that's not what God has given to you to do. You've been tasked with something. What is that task? So before we get into that, let's quickly go back to Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve disobey God, he finds them in the garden, and they're hiding from him. And, of course, they can't hide from God. And he finds them with um, fig leaves, and they're trying to cover their nakedness. And he says, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so God goes on to curse the serpent and he places enmity between the serpent and the woman. And then when he curses the woman, he says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you. He curses the man with a sentencing of having to till the earth, having to try and cultivate the earth, and the earth will war against him, and the earth will produce thorns and thistles, and it won't produce like it would have produced prior to the fall. So even in the curses that God puts on a woman and a man, you can see their domestic role, the domestic domain is primarily given to a woman that her curse is going to be pain and childbearing and she's going to constantly long to get out of the house. She's going to want her husband's role and he's going to rule over her. And then when he gives the curse to the man, that curse is geared towards his domain, which is plowing the ground, which is working, which is providing for his family. These separate roles are clearly seen even in the very curses that God gives to men and women. We would agree, wouldn't we, Michelle? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You were just teaching, so we were listening. (laughs) We were taking it in, girl. You were going going strong. (laughs) Yes, you were. In Titus 2, Paul talks about how older women should be reverent in behavior. They shouldn't be slanders. They shouldn't be like alcoholics, drinking a bunch of wine. Work on that, Sandra. (laughs) I'm trying, girl. I'm trying, but, you know, three kids here. You got to do something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a joke and then um he goes on to talk about how we as women should be training younger women to love their husbands which and, and their children not just our husbands but our children too which, <laughs> that that takes I'm, some training if we're honest sometimes <laughs> right i mean it's like yeah. hey michelle erica like train me right now like the kids are right like, the kids are you know being crazy <laughs> help me out yeah and, and he talks about being self-controlled and pure and that we are to work in our home proverbs 14 1 says the wisest of women builds her house but folly with her hand own hands tears it down uh just to clarify if anybody's like oh what's folly are you washing the dishes or something uh foolishness so the wisest of women builds her house but with foolishness with her own hands, she can tear it down. Mm. Proverbs 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. That one stinks. Yeah, it does, right? right? Yeah, that yes. compare and contrast that a wise woman can build her home, but a foolish woman yes. without discretion is not only tearing her, her house down, but she's like a 
a gold ring and a pig's snout. Like, it's just worthless and foolish. Right. Now, I'd have to say, as far as going off of uh, what Sandra was teaching, um, I have noticed something, and I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but I've noticed when shopping, different wine stuff. Now, you know, it's fine to have, you know, a couple of glasses of wine, um, but the way that people, the way that the marketing has used this Mm. is now more geared towards alcoholics, just about. Like Like even just t-shirts and the things that women wear. How many t-shirts have you seen that say, um, you know, I drink coffee until it's okay to drink wine or whatever. Right. And, you know, at first it seemed like it was a joke. Ha 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 ha. But it's all over now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Stop and smell the wine or something. I don't know. I just made that one up. <laughs> but, <it's, laughs> um, but what I feel is that it's teaching us young ladies because these glasses are geared towards women. I mean, because men, they really don't drink out of wine glasses that right. have yeah. heels and stuff like that. But that's besides the point. But these are geared towards women. And so it's like, okay, after we finally put the kids in the bed, let's keep drinking wine every single night. I have to look forward to wine. I can't wait until I put my kids in the bed so all I can do is drink wine. Society is really pushing that on us as women. Well, it's like anything to distract us from the goal, which is kingdom building, right? Like that's what we're tasked to do. And so caring for your children becomes the burden and you handle your burden until they're finally in bed and then you can enjoy your life. And then you can kick back and relax. And like you talked about, it's, there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine. And yeah, sometimes when the kids go to bed, you can just like take a breath. That's totally fine. But in those moments of right. weakness, we shouldn't be looking towards bedtime thinking, then I can have a glass of wine. It should We should be crying out to God saying, Lord, get me through this hard moment. Teach me what you need to teach me. Help me to be diligent. Help me to steward what you've given me well not looking for the escape. Exactly. Motherhood is hard. It is really, really hard. And to go off of what you were reading, Erica, and I know plenty of women that are working there outside the home, but they still take care of their children. They're still raising them in the ways of the Lord. And the Lord is still using them for His purpose, for His glory. You know, in our fallen state in this world, God still Mm -hmm. uses us in many different ways. But we have taken on the man's curse. Mm -hmm. We are, as women, we get exhausted. So if you're going to work and you've got to take care of whatever is going on at work, you've also got to come home. Uh, You've got to help the kids with their homework. You've got to get dinner on, wash dishes, get laundry done, get the lunches packed, all of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And what it is is that we've taken on this curse mm-hmm. without even realizing it. Yeah, because our desire yeah. is for our husband's role. And we're so right. blinded to even see that we're, we are taking on double curses. And it's foolishness. With foolishness, she tears her house down. And like you said, there are extenuating circumstances, single moms, or, you know, if your husband's disabled and he can't work. I mean, there are situations out there that we're not legalists. Yes, like you said, it's a, we live in a fallen world, but in the ideal where there are a godly, able-bodied man and a godly, able-bodied woman, take on your own domains. Don't be crossing over. Right. 
And you'd be surprised to see how well that works, actually. You know, whenever you follow God's plans in God's design, it always works the most efficiently, and there's always more blessing. Yes, exactly. So something that you had asked, Erica, was, you know, something along the lines of describe what it is that we do. You know, if we're not sitting around, sitting on the couch eating bonbons, whatever those are, what 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 is it? Describe to everyone. That's the Gen- Genesis cultural mandate in Genesis one twenty eight, where God says, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it." And then in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, we have the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So as mothers, we get to engage in that. Those verses aren't for men. Those verses are for the entire body of Christ. And like we said, how a man goes about accomplishing those goals is going to be different than how we accomplish those goals as women. So for us, it is being fruitful, multiplying, giving birth, having babies, catechizing them, raising them, educating them with a godly Christian education. These are all goals in a way that a woman builds a kingdom because the Bible says that children are arrows. And what do you do? You shoot out the arrows at your enemies when they're prepared and ready. And so as a Christian woman, we are raising arrows to be shot out that the enemies of God would be vanquished and pushed back. That is our job to build this yeah, kingdom and to expand it. And it's not an easy job. I mean, there's the hard Really? It's not? Days. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, you know, if it's easy, you're doing it wrong. If you're you're not problems, doing it. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing it. If you go to bed and you're like, this was nothing today. <laughs> and then the Lord sanctified you, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. He definitely humbled me. <laughs> Um, so I ask that because there is a lot, there's a lot that we do. And that's something that as, as parents, as fathers and mothers, cause I've heard fathers say this too, but especially mothers, God gave us the ability to learn to have patience and to not only love our children, but like our children. Yeah. Um, and to raise them in the Lord's ways. Yeah. And that's something that in Titus, it says that teach young women to love their children. There are going to be moments when you're educating your children where you might not want to, like, love them and like them, you know? (laughs) And the word that's used there is the phileo kind of love, like the brotherly love. So, obviously, as mothers, we unconditionally love our children. But I think it's so funny that that word phileo is used for love in Titus because it's like, you know, even Paul knows... Sometimes your kids are going to make you crazy and you're going to have to just like learn to be patient with them and learn to like like them as a friend because you may not want to act very friendly towards them. And build them up as well. Our job is to build, as we read, up our home. Mm-hmm. And our way of building up our home is encouraging our husbands, encouraging mm-hmm. our children, um, just building them up and mm-hmm. in God's word. That's that's our foundation. Where is your foundation at? Is it on, you know, how many assignments can I get for today? How many errands do I need to run? Hiding from the kids? Mm. <laughs> Where's our foundation um, on the Word of God? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is, I think, super helpful, too, because, like we said earlier, um, if you're being lazy, you're not fulfilling the complementarian role. You ought to be very domestic. You ought to be striving to steward everything, all the resources God has given to you well. So if he's given you food, learn how to make food well. If you have a skill or a talent, learn how to use that skill or talent well in your home or whatever. 
But I think that sometimes we can get so caught up in stewarding what we've been given that we're actually being really poor stewards of the obvious things that God has given to us, which is loving our children, catechizing our children, teaching them biblical truths, raising them. We can get so so easily um, distracted on the sewing projects or on the multiplication tables that we miss the teachable opportunities with our children that are so obvious every day. I grew up in the church. I've grown so much since I've got married. I mean, there was just a lot of things that unfortunately my church just didn't teach. I didn't even know what a catechism was, so I met Eric. I mean, there was just simple, basic Christian things that we would try to teach, but the whole idea of even catechizing your child and there's these questions that we can ask and have them answer back. Why didn't I think of that? You know, that was just right. so profound. I was like, Oh my goodness. I can remember telling Eric, give me what you've got. What, what are you talking about these things? Like show me, <laughs> but just taking those moments and just spending the time in that. We've all heard in probably dozens of Bible studies about the Proverbs 31 woman, probably read tons of books and Bible studies about it. But I think it's really interesting, even when you go to scripture and you look at this idealistic woman in Proverbs 31, that everything she does, even the working outside of her home, when she's buying and selling her goods, and she's making trade deals and buying fields, all this kind of stuff, It's always to bolster what's going on in her home. It's always to be hospitable to her servants. It's always to be able to be generous. Her her hand is extending out to the needy people around her, and it's because she has been financially responsible. And so she's not looking to be selfish with her finances. She's looking to make a good deal so she can be generous you know, so that her home can be this hospitable environment. I just think it's interesting how even when she she is working outside of the home, like we're talking about women who had to work outside of the home, it's always in an effort to build her home. Yeah, it always goes back to the the building of the home, too. Yeah. Right, where her ministry is supposed to be directed. Yeah, and even if she's not working outside of the home, Michelle, you are very crafty, and you make, like, hair bows and all kinds of stuff that you're selling, And when you're doing that, it is still to bolster what's going on in your home. You're not doing it on the side to get validation or a sense of individuality from your husband. It's because it's a talent that God's given you and you're intelligent with it. And it's something that you can use to to build your home, not to become separate from it. Right. It's been a struggle, but there's been so much joy in glorifying God with that. We've kind of discussed a little bit about, like, the complementarian role, where a woman's um, dominion is in the home, and the ultimate goal is, we said, to be fruitful and to multiply, to expand God's kingdom, to glorify God in what we do. Um, But we do have an adversary. The Bible says that we have an adversary that is seeking to destroy us, and that's obviously Satan. We can see that all the way back in the garden in Genesis as well, where he's the one that tempts Eve and he is cursed as well. But I think we can, all Christians can agree that, yeah, Satan is our enemy and we need to be very cognizant that he is seeking to destroy what we are trying to build in our homes, right? But oftentimes I don't think that we see that we have another enemy which is lies within which is our sinful desires and our sinful tendencies and our sin nature and 
that was also part of the curse where God told Eve that your desire shall be for your husband. Your desire shall be contrary to what it ought to be. Hello, yes and amen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that the feminist culture often picks up on that de- that contrary desire, that desire to want something that is not ours to want, that male role, that male curse. I, I would totally agree. I mean, you obviously see it everywhere. And I mean, now we have gender in general. We can't even define gender anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I it's mean, so fluid. 100%, I think that as Christian women, we need to know what our Bible say about, you know, obviously our gender. And we need to see that we're not less than a man, just it's equally important. God finds value in us and we need to find our value in how God defines us and in him instead of in what the world thinks of us and what the world thinks that we should or shouldn't be. It goes back to Genesis 3. Yeah. Um, who did Satan go to? Eve. Yeah. And that's what's happening now. Satan is using women in order to tear down the rest of the family. Yeah. If you can get the, if you can get the men to abdicate their role as leader, make the woman be the one calling the shots, it's going to go real bad, <laughs> real fast. Right. Right. I'm just saying... <laughs> Any man that's ever dealt with a woman on her cycle, like, nuclear <laughs> war, right? I mean, <laughs> you really want to put that in charge? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that might get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's so true. I mean, like, women are emotional. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean that we should let our emotions control us because, I mean, we all know that we need to like use logic and control our emotions, but we are emotional. Mm-hmm. And well, cause God created us to be nurturers. Yeah. So I think that there exactly. is something about us. I mean, if we're saying uh, women are nurturers and men are warriors, we don't want an emotional warrior on the battlefront. That's going to be terrible. He just starts crying, you know, but women <laughs> do need to be the nurturers where we can have compassion on our children when they are harmed or someone hurt their feelings. Like there's, there is that distinct femininity about us that ought to have more emotion than a man or be more, um, not so emotional because King David was very emotional and so was Jesus. I'm not saying emotions are, you know, contrary to masculinity, but no, there is a distinct a difference. Yeah. There's a difference in a man and a woman. I mean, I, I mean, I can tell you like, watching like one of my boys like fall down and like skin their knee and i'm like oh are you okay they're little and my husband's like they're fine they're good and uh, you know it's not that he doesn't care because i mean as soon as like he would realize like one of them's not okay right he's like oh man i'm over here and he's loving on him and he's you know fixing them up but you know there's just that difference between like give it a minute they're good and mom who wants to rush in and kiss the boo-boo and like right you know it's gonna be okay here's a popsicle too and yeah what can i do to fix this (laughs) right yeah that that nurturing nature of a mom which is what we're trained to do or we're supposed to be trained to do we're supposed to be trained to be nurturing and loving to our children yes um we're we're trained to be nurturing and loving to our children we're also trained to discipline our children Mm. there's you're one of uh, those moms aren't you michelle you spank your kids don't you Actually, yes, I do. And um, what I noticed is when there are, I said that just as a matter of factly, um, that is like the, 
I, I, I do, and I'm going to right now, actually. <laughs> yes. yes. The three of us have talked about this before. There are so many children who tell their parents now what they're going to do. Like, what we are noticing in our country, at least, is that there is a flip-flop of all kinds of roles. So there's the flip-flop of the male and the female role, more masculine. There are the flip-flops of the children being authoritarians mm-hmm. and the parents okay, honey, anything you say, right. you know, and that's what I'm noticing now. And we don't, we don't deal with that. No, when we, if you cannot obey your parents and we are sinful, okay, how can you obey a holy God? Talk back to your parents. You're definitely not going to listen to God. Right. When you're a crooked arrow and what good is a crooked right. arrow? I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't serve a purpose. Right. Exactly. Even the roles between parenting and children have reversed in that Authority that a mother should have to discipline her children, we've also abdicated. You know, we don't we don't take on that authority and and take that job, that aspect of our kingdom building serious. That right. our disciplining our children could have, I mean, serious consequences. Exactly. So we're raising warriors for Christ as well. Yeah, there are negative aspects to discipline, like you said, spanking, which is a biblical concept. We can—that's a whole other conversation for a different time. Um, there right. are, you know, other forms of punishment. You can get creative. Sometimes I've heard of parents, you know, doing like relay races with their kids when they've had too much energy and they just can't seem to sit still or whatever. Like you, every ha- every family has their own ways of disciplining, but I think you should be biblical in your discipline. Um, yes, but yes. there are. Yes. There are positive forms of discipline, too. Like, Sandra, you've often uh, relayed to me, before your kids do any of their, their other schoolwork in the morning, they first start out with their Bible study. Like, that's a positive form of discipline. You are disciplining them in the ways of the Lord. This is a physical discipline that you need to learn and a skill that you need to um, be diligent in. This is a discipline, a self-discipline. And this is going to go on to impact your life in a certain way for the rest of your life. If you can get this discipline right here down. Um, so I, I think it's really funny how Paul talks about in First Timothy chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, how he's talking about the widow. And I'm just going to read this real quick, actually. It says, starting in verse 13, Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households and give the adversary no occasion for slander boom and i just he's like hey you gossip and busybodies why don't you like get married have some children and worry about your own household (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm like solves all the problems yeah right like Stop busying yourself with every everything else that you shouldn't be. But start busying yourself with your with your home. Yeah, get busy there where you know you've actually been tasked to be busy. Exactly. Although we we have met people where they have gotten married and had kids and definitely gossiped. That's true. It's not necessarily yeah. a recipe, but like this is the correction here. Like this is yeah. what you're doing. This is what you should be doing. You know, you're doing these things. Stop and then do this. Do what God designed you to do, which is get married, have babies, be fruitful, multiply, and then subdue what God's given to you. Steward it well. Be home managers. Teach your children the the gospel. Teach them God's word. 
Yeah. Give them a good education and watch over them and guide them and teach them and quit sitting over here sinning. Yeah, worrying about everyone else and their shortcomings, their perceived shortcomings and gossip. Oh, my goodness. That could be a whole podcast in and of itself, too. Girl, let's not start it now. We'll have a whole nother episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're kind of running towards the end of our time here. So just in short, we have discussed that a woman's role is in her home. When you see a woman being talked about in scripture, often her house or her home and the management of her home is um, mentioned as well. That this is the domain that God has given to women to steward. And um, that's where he has tasked her to get busy building her home and building the kingdom of Christ. Starting with the fruitful nature of having babies, multiplying I think not only in um, the traditional sense, like women giving birth to their own offspring, but also discipleship. There are women who are single, who are infertile, and we're not alienating them from this conversation, too. You are just as crucial. I, I think sometimes when women start talking about issues like home management or... Um, discipling their children, catechizing their children, instantly the woman who's infertile or the single woman just kind of like turn away, like that doesn't pertain to me. But it really does because even if you don't have your own biological children, God has still said that you need to go make disciples of all nations. And in Titus, it says that older women, if you are a godly older woman, that doesn't mean just age-wise, like you have to be over 65. But if you are a mature Christian woman, you should be discipling someone who is less mature than you. And that is also a way yeah. for you to be busy in your home. You can be hospitable, inviting people in and training them to love their families. And that is still a way that God is using you to build his kingdom. You're not isolated from this task, this feminine role. You are just as crucial. 100%. So we've um, talked about our adversary, that it's Satan. He is our enemy on the outside, that we war against um, not flesh and blood, but principalities and rulers of darkness, that we also have an enemy inside of us, our sinful nature and our desires that war against us. Ultimately, our goal as women is not to take on our husband's role. It's not to try and outdo our friends on Instagram or make ourselves be this like Pinterest perfect mom or wife, but it really is to glorify God and to build his kingdom and to be obedient to his word and to just be faithful stewards of what he has given to us. So yeah, now that we have, you know, discussed all this we did good we did good girl yeah i mean maybe yeah. <laughs> hopefully after editing we've done good right <laughs> let's talk about some helpful hints tricks tools of the trade if you could tell your 10 year younger self some of the you know tricks and wisdom that you know now what would you share with them with that person with that individual um i would say enjoy the little moments don't get so caught up in everything always having to be perfect. Just enjoy those little moments. Sandra's very like, type A, for those of you who don't yes, know I Sandra. Am. <laughs> I am driven by the task. I've got things to do. She is a Martha, <laughs> if there ever was. Oh, yeah. 100%. And how I desire to be a Mary. <laughs> but yeah, stop. And like, 
you know, play the Monopoly game with the kids, or if that's going to cause a war, choose a different board game. You know? <laughs> Monopoly's um, never good. It never ends. That's true, it too. It never does. <laughs> but yeah, enjoy those little, those little moments. I would also say make sure that you keep a meal frozen in your freezer because you will be tired and not want to cook dinner. Or someone will so nice stop by, you know, mm-hmm. unannounced, and you're going to be stressed out thinking, what do I feed these other people that just showed up for dinner? Yes. So keep that meal in the freezer. Like have something easy just to just to take care of for those days where every nothing seems to be going right and you're, you're done. You want to wash your hands of it. Then you can enjoy those moments when your day is just kind of not gone the way you wanted it to go. And you can be like, don't even have to worry about dinner. Yep. I'm going to pull this out and I'm going to sit on the couch for a minute and... Play Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're never going to bed, and neither are the kids. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Don't play Monopoly. This is the point of the podcast. (laughs) Right. If you play Monopoly, then you can have a glass of wine. You're going to need it. I would like to branch off of what Sandra said. I came into this marriage thinking that I have to have the whole house clean, tip top shape, everything has to be done all the time. And what ended up happening is I'm ignoring the kids. I'm ignoring my husband. And so we do need to just stop and enjoy these precious moments. Like she said, because we're going to blink and they're going to be grown. That doesn't mean that you don't clean your house. You need a clean house. Okay. Yeah. You need to um, still steward your home is, well. <laughs> yes, exactly. But just cherish your children because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, these babies, they grow up so fast. Also, I would say I had to learn to shut up uh, with my husband. Mm. You know, he's a very quiet man. <laughs> and I, on the other hand, are, um, I'm very talkative. And I would nag, okay, telling him my feelings instead of taking it to God himself. And once we realize that our marriage is about God and we're, we're secondary. It's not really about us. It's mm-hmm. about God's kingdom. And that motherhood is about honoring God's kingdom, about raising the children for his glory. Mm-hmm. Things started to click. They started to make sense. They stopped being so mundane every day. Just why am I doing this? Um, so that was something that I ended up learning is just sit down and shut up sometimes. Preach it, girl. So one of the tips that I wish that I would have learned early on is just to do family worship when it works for your particular family. Now, I do Mm. think you should do family worship often. And I'm not saying, like, if you don't do it every day, then you're a sinner. But you should do it as often as you possibly can. Most people that I knew did family worship in the evenings. And I am not a night owl. And my children are not night owls by any stretch of the imagination. So come bedtime, when Grant would get off of work and be at dinner and we had a moment to like sit down and actually do family worship, we were all tired and crabby and just like over the day. That was not when our energy levels were at the peak. I think for years we went doing um, family worship probably at the wrong time. And it wasn't until just recently, actually, that we started doing our family worship in the mornings at the breakfast table. And that has worked so much better and has alleviated so much frustration. So just find a time, whether it's at lunchtime, if your husband comes home for work, or, I mean, whatever your schedule is, find a time that works good for you guys. It doesn't have to be, you know, at this time because such and such does theirs at that time. 
Um, I would say also don't be afraid to make the standard. Um, don't, and, and by that, what I mean is as you are raising your family and beginning your family, don't be afraid to say this is how our our family is going to work because this is what the Bible teaches us mm. and to stand firm, you know, don't sway to your, you know, your, your parents or your in-laws stand firm in that and be an example for, for your children. And it can be so hard because, you know, mm. you, you want to love your family well too, your extended family well too, but stand firm in that. And I think that me and Scotty, both being eldest children and coming from very family oriented families, that has been something that, that has been a little bit of a hard lesson for us to learn just because we didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We didn't want to convey that we didn't love them or care about them. So there were certain leniencies that we would make, we would somewhat accommodate learning how to navigate that. And I would say set that standard early on and don't be afraid to do it because you can do it in a very loving way and your family will understand if they love you too, or maybe they'll get upset, but they'll get over it. Yeah. (laughs) Either way you honor God. Either, either right. way, you, you got your family, guys. <laughs> Something that I'm trying to start is these flashcards. I have these colorful flashcards. I'm writing prayers on them, different prayers and praises, learning how to really dedicate my time to the Lord and put Him completely first. But not only that, write out my prayers to him. Therefore, I can look back on this for years to come and see, wow, how much I've grown through him and how many things that he has blessed, not only our family, but other loved ones. Uh, But taking that time to praise him, to worship him, to study in his word. I wish I did that from the beginning. I wish that that was something I was better at too, is journaling and writing down my prayers. Because there's something when you can look back and see all the ways that God has been faithful. It is a testimony and it is encouraging. Right. Um. So this this tip is actually not my tip. So I can't really take credit for it. This tip is one that I got from this parenting series that Doug Wilson and his wife did. And in this series, you can find it on YouTube. I might be able to put the link in the show notes. He talks about how it is more uh, efficient and easier for your children to grasp fewer rules than more detailed rules. And what I mean by that is instead of listing off, you know, don't covet what your brother has. Don't fuss about not getting the colored cup that you wanted. Don't whine and cry when, you know, uh, the dog steals your sandwich or whatever. All these different things that kids whine and fuss about. Just make one rule that says no fussing. And when your kid fusses, be like, you're fussing. The reason that you're upset with your brother is because you think you should have that toy. You deserve it. You're fussing. No fussing. And he just talked about how we should condense our rules and just have fewer ones as opposed to being so detailed with the rules that the kids forget them altogether. And that has been very helpful for us in our home because it's easier for me to recognize your fussing as opposed to getting caught up in, you know, why did why did this child take this thing from this child when this child had it first and all these crazy, you know, dynamics and you're just like, but you're fussing. Regardless of what's going on, you're fussing about it. That has been very helpful for me to just scale back. Anyway, so I thank you two for being on, for taking time this late at night. And this was very fun. Thank you guys for listening to Awakening Reformation Podcast. So until next time, get woke. Yeah.
Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state. Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. That verse one is my thesis. It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night. He called the rabbi and gave him props. Said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind. Cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal Pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above.